0: If I hit record and ask you to do it, you might be shocked and say, oh, you want me to do it now? I'm not ready. Right. So go ahead and do that. (laughs) Jeff, I'm laughing too hard to really talk right now. so (laughs) I'll give you a chat. I'll give you a second. Okay. Okay, go ahead. This is Kimberly
1: Pittman Schultz at PoetAl.com. And I am on Vroom Vroom
0: Beer with Jeff Smith, and you are listening to it now. Well done. Good job. You want to do it Thank again you. so we can screw it up? Or is that good for you? Uh, uh, it's, 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 it's really, you know, hey, it's what works for you. Or no, it's perfect. The, the, poor,
1: the poor next person is going to have my voice on their program. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that lady that's opening my show? Where did you get this lady?
0: Well, there you go. I'm going to hit stop. I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Donna Bond. Thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going?
1: Great, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here.
0: I think this is going to be a lot of fun right? It is. It started with uh, your <laughs> fountain outside your, your little office. There. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, and it was, it
1: was trash day on Thursday, but there was a holiday this week, right? Oh, so right. Okay. you never know what might happen
0: outside the window you today. I got to just warn everybody. Yes. Life's like a box of chocolates. You don't know. What <laughs> okay. So you are Donna Bond. You're at DonnaBond.com. DonnaBond.com. That's the on, on, on. I like it. And then Phonetically uh, Perfect. Phonetically perfect. Yes. Yeah, I married into Bond, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I married into that name, which is super fun. I I grew up Italian and my maiden name is Lupuccino. But I had a chance to like be a Bond
0: girl. (laughs) How awesome is that? (laughs) Pretty cool. Yeah, good for you. Okay, so you're uh, you're at DonnaBond.com. You're also the author of Original Wisdom, Har- Harness the Power of the Authentic You. So talk yeah. a little bit about what you're most excited about in your business and your coaching practice today.
1: Wow, well, I just launched uh, a masterclass called Empower the Authentic You, and I'm awesome. most excited about all the people who have stepped forward to like carve out time in their busy, busy lives. Right to show up for themselves. That's awesome. And yeah, we have 15 highly engaged people who have come together like complete strangers, right. Have come together for this really cool journey of transformation.
0: And it's all, and I love it. I love being the guide. Yeah. It's all online. You're zooming and all that. Yes. Yep.
1: I'm zooming it. You're Mm -hmm. zooming
0: it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> someday, someday it'll be awesome when we can all get together and not be scared again. But, yes, I mean, Zoom is, is cool, too. So, right. What would we, where would we be in the pandemic without Zoom? So, yay. Good Zoom. And that sounds like fun. So, good for you. So, this is Room Vroom Veer. So, that means we have to go back in time and talk about Little Donna. Little Donna with the Italian so last cute. name. <laughs> so, where, where did you <laughs> grow up, Little Donna?
1: <laughs> um, I grew up in Connecticut okay both of my parents were children of uh, immigrants from Italy everybody wow. came over on the boat all yeah. my
0: grandparents holy cow
1: and yeah we grew so you up
0: were second third generation American
1: yeah third generation
0: gotcha
1: and uh, it was all about hard work and sacrifice I'm the oldest of three girls right we all sort of put our nose to the grindstone and Put our head that's down, do. put our high heels on the corporate ladder and started climbing. <laughs> yeah. Good for you though. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. My um my dad died when yeah. I was twenty two. Oh. And to lose a dad. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. young. He was only forty four. Wow. Which makes the whole thing young. really interesting. Yeah. Right? When we start talking about midlife. Right. Because he was in his midlife. Right.
0: Yeah. So his, his big veer was uh, terminal. Terminal veer. Ouch. Not good. Yeah. Terminal cancer, actually. Really? Yeah. Talk a Lung little bit, cancer. Talk a little bit about what going through that at 22 was like. Were you in college or? Yeah. I was yeah. a freshman in college. Right. And um, it was really
1: fast, Jeff. That's all I know. Is it was fast. It was
0: just fast. It
1: was, was um, and then he's not right. Yeah, and you know, we didn't know if he was going to be okay, but we found out that he was sick. I can remember my parents like sitting us down, and we took this family picture that was like felt like such a significant moment in time because Mm -hmm. it was like everything changed. After this picture got taken. So we had this picture taken with our father. And then five minutes later, my parents were telling us what was going on. And, you know, it was very dramatic. And we'd never, of course, dealt with anything like that before in our lives. And my dad was like, we're going to fight this. And I'm going to be dancing at all of your weddings. And three months later, poop, three months later, he passed away. Wow. Yeah, that is, it was pretty that's, intense. That's hardcore. That is rough. But, you know, it, in a, as life would have it, because life is so beautiful, the way it unfolds, right? We can always look behind us and see how all the pieces fit together. Right. It was my doorway into spirituality and metaphysics. Really? It was like okay. the first, you know, introduction to my awareness of, gosh, there's more than what's right here. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of like really significant and cool encounters with my father after he died. Oh wow. That
0: were interesting.
1: Pretty important and significant.
0: Okay. Wow. Let me ask you this. Did did you were you able to be there when he died? Did that happen? I was. You were. You were in the room. Okay. I was in the room. Wow. It's
1: so interesting that you're That's asking me about this because, you know, I remember sitting deal. at his bedside. It's a huge and deal
0: to witness we, a death and attend a death.
1: Yeah, we, um, we turned off the life support, which wow. makes it even more precarious, right? Yes. Okay. And I remember uh, sitting over his body and like watching to see if I could see...
0: His something soul. happened.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. leaving his body.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and I didn't see anything. You okay. know, my the eyes of my body didn't see anything. <laughs> right. I get it. Sure.
0: Yeah. Wow. Were you there like in the moment when he passed over? Did were you there? You were there and so you were watching and then one moment he was there and then the next moment he, he was gone. He was in a coma. Oh, he was okay. in a coma. So basically, yeah, so, the the going was just the beeping stopped sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah,
1: my rough. my last you know conscious interaction with him was uh, the night before we were okay. sitting at the kitchen table and my grandmother made a chocolate chocolate cream pie. Mm. <laughs> Okay. And so I always remember that my father's last meal was like chocolate cream pie, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah, you know? it's awesome.
0: I mean, you can't do much better than that. Chocolate cream pie. You can't um, do much better than that. I would, I would rather have wings, beers, and french fries. But, you know, hey, I'll take the chocolate you. cream pie. <laughs> okay, but there's – so I had another guest on and – So she was able to be there, attend, and when in the moment of his death, he sat up bolt straight and she looked him in the eyes and sort of like saw this surprise and then noticed that he was seeing the other side. I'm going to put that in air quotes for people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whatever the hell that means because words fail a little bit. But, you know, he was seeing something, right? So when you were there and you were sitting with him and he was still around and conscious – did you get that experience of he was sort of like half here, half not here? Sort of like a foot in both he sides? He wasn't conscious, unfortunately. Oh, okay. All right. So you Yeah, he wasn't conscious at all. He
1: no. slipped into a coma. Gotcha. Uh, and then he was in a coma gotcha. for, you know,
0: the... Right, for the most, most of the time. The, the hours before his death, gotcha. yeah. Gotcha, okay. All right. Still, though, a gift, I think, that you were able to be there and attend. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I think the other gift,
0: too, is
1: while it was difficult, that you it was so sudden and it was so quick, Right. we did not have to go through a long, drawn-out, difficult, you right. know, journey of fighting this illness. Right. And I think that that's a hidden blessing in this. For
0: sure. Yep. Cause yeah. Because you're thinking that he's suffering, Right. And then and you're feeling guilty about, you know, almost feeling guilty that you want him to die because that'll give him release of pain and suffering. Um, Yeah, I get it. But you still have to grieve. So that's pretty tough for somebody 22 years old in college having to go through grieving. So that's that's not that's not an easy path. Well, my mother looked at all three of us and she said, all right, back to
1: work. Sure. Back to school. Right. There's no long faces around here. Everybody, go back to your stations. Yeah. Stations. <laughs> and <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we did. Yeah. That's what we did. And and the next thing I knew, I was 45.
0: Really. Wow.
1: Yeah. And that's why it was such a wake up call, Jeff. Because um, I was like, I I woke up sort of at the top of my game in my profession. Yep. Right. Um, you know, making great money, I really had it all, in right. air quotes, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, on the surface, it all looked perfect. Yes. And uh, deep down, I was really, really unhappy. But the, right. the like, big punch in the stomach here was I was like, holy shit, I am the age that my father was when he died.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was like, yeah. what am I doing with my life? Right. You know, like, no, w- what, okay. is what is this? Every year, right. yeah. we just, like, do another budget. We make another marketing plan. We just, like, we're on autopilot. We're just yes. on this conveyor belt. and treadmill. It's, yes. Ugh, the monotony <laughs> of it all. So Game, painful. Get me off this
0: crazy thing. <laughs> get me off. <laughs> yes. I, I went through that when, uh, as I was retiring from the military. The first thing I did was get another job in the military. <laughs> That's what a lot of people <laughs> do. It's like, I have no clue. But that was like sort of like the beginning. I actually started waking up and reading a lot of spiritual books while I was still active duty, right? So remember you said something like uh, veers give clues when they're coming, right? Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about some of the clues that you were getting while you were still working in that job. Walk us up there. So what? Obviously, in the big moment of the Veer, you're like, what the hell am I doing, right? But what were some of the clues that led up to that? Well, when we consider our whole self, we have to
1: look at all four levels of our consciousness, right? We have our our mental, we have our emotional, we have our physical, and we have our spiritual. Perfect. These four different realms, these four different levels. levels. Yes. Yeah, and so mentally... I was trapped in negativity. It was like nothing could make me happy. I just saw everything I saw. The glass was half empty, right? I was just very uh, negative. Right. And experiencing a lot of discontent. Just really nothing could satisfy me. Nothing could make me happy. And again, keep in mind, on the surface, I'm winning awards and I'm making all kinds of money. And I have like... You know prestige and sort, and sort of
0: and cool yes yeah, yeah yeah yes I get it
1: emotionally I was depressed I think right. I was feeling very deeply unfulfilled and it's interesting and I, I just want to like make a comment about that word because I didn't know that at the time like I right. could not have pointed to that then I just I knew something was missing I knew that there was this hole that I was trying to fill mm. and I didn't know how to fill it but I didn't understand that it was fulfillment mm. that was a really big piece of what I was searching for okay. that eluded me at the time right okay so that was mental and then physical physical yeah. is actually like the caboose level. on the train okay. you know because right. things first happen in the invisible world they happen In the world of imagination, right? Like first, everything is first a thought. Right. And so then our thoughts come into our minds and then they move through our emotional body and then they kind of come out in physical world reality. Right. So So that's why I say like the physical is the last to know. Okay. And my physical was a hot mess. (laughs) <laughs> it was a hot mess, and uh, yeah, I was <laughs> I was doing what most corporate executives do, Jeff. Right. I ignored it. I was ignoring all of it. Right.
0: You're I actually. It's yeah. weird because our brains help that too. That that process, right? I don't know. I don't. Know. In your health journey, I did um, trigger point therapy. Right. Uh-huh. So a lot of muscle pain. Your brain is wired to turn off. So that's what a trigger point is. It's like, you've got this little patch of muscle that's not getting enough blood flow, right? And for a while, maybe like a little while, it'll tell the brain, hey, this hurts, right? But then there's nothing your brain, your body can do about it. It can't really talk to you in words. So the brain will just go, mm, hey, we'll just turn that off. <laughs> right? Like there's this- Okay, this is Scotty. so interesting <laughs> yeah, to there's me. There's this inner Scotty in your brain going, I oh, will have to get to that later. <laughs> Yeah. This, this is, is so interesting. This is trigger the first time. point therapy. Yeah. Oh, you've never. I'm going point Therapy. Okay. Yeah. It was called like a neuromuscular therapy. Do you, do you know much about, uh, JFK? Uh-uh. So he was, uh, he had like really bad trigger points. So to the point where he didn't, his movement was really limited even when he was president. So that's why he looks really stiff. Yeah, he always did look
1: stiff. Right,
0: right, right. So he had an MD on his staff that was treating him and simultaneously doing this gigantic research that ended up in these two volumes uh, that became trigger point therapy. Her name was uh, Janet Travell, and there's these two gigantic volumes that is trigger point therapy. I can boil it all down. Right. But there are books that look like encyclopedias that, you know, and she was an MD, too. So um, it's got a good scientific background. But anyway, I digress. Well,
1: thank you. That's like a golden (laughs) nugget for me. Really, it's a golden nugget for me for a couple of different reasons that I won't go into. But
0: that's fine. You can go. So, so (laughs) yes.
1: So I had the beginnings of a frozen shoulder. And I don't, right you know, now? if any of your okay. listeners, yeah. no, 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 not right now. Okay. Like back then at age 45, okay. when I, when sure. I was like with all this misery, yeah, you know? my wife
0: went through full frozen shoulder. It takes Brutal. a lot of therapy. And then the other it, one has it too. So if you think you're done, you're not. Cause you have to do both.
1: <laughs> well, you know, a doctor said that to me and I was like, no, I cannot even that. believe that you're saying that.
0: Okay. So it didn't I, happen to you. Good
1: for you. It didn't Cause happen you me.
0: wrote your own damn story.
1: Good for you. Kind of.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. yes. Good for you.
1: Well, so I had this, you know, this significant discomfort. um, And the other thing that was going on that I wasn't aware of was I had uh, cancer growing in my body. Whoa. That I later discovered through a prophetic dream. Wow. But... That's a whole other story, yeah, right? We'll,
0: we'll, we'll dig into that one later. Because <laughs> that sounds yeah. really scary. I and don't want to say awesome, but it sounds good. It <laughs> sounds yeah. like it's a good story anyway.
1: Well, so I was just, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically... There's a lot of misalignment. That's right. what I call this. You're misalignment. Right. Yes. Yes. And my head
0: and well, You're probably and my also heart. not eating right. You're not sleeping right. You're not moving. You're not doing all the things, right? You're just working. For sure. <laughs> yes. That, I think I was exact. So like for me, my health journey was like when I was in my late 30s, early 40s. So close to where you were. Um, if I were to go to the uh, outlet mall with my wife. Like, she could just go, right? No problem, walk all damn day, no problem, right? She would get tired, but not, like, in pain. Now, me, I'd be, like, walk six steps and go, where's a bench, right? I was in, like, full-body inflammation mode, right? Mm -hmm. From my diet, from lack of movement, from just, you know the military telling me what to do and going, yes, sir. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. God so I, mm-hmm. I had a, a, a military, uh, I have not a military journey, a health journey in front of me. And it was mostly just, you know, cleaning up the diet, getting off of all the, fa- uh, all the sugar and processed foods. And yeah. then, and then coming up with, you know, yoga, trigger point therapy. But yeah, I mean, I think we all go through that. That for me, that was where one of my big awakenings came through that.
1: Mine as well.
0: Okay, Mine as well. So,
1: so in my misery, right, right. I, it, it, and the last thing I because I don't want to overlook the spiritual level in this when I right. talk about, right, right, you know, right. the, the four levels of our consciousness and our wholeness, spiritually, I was bankrupt. You know, spiritually, okay. I was so disconnected right. from myself, and from a higher power from the universe, yeah. from the world. I was very, so at, very disconnected. At, at
0: that point, what was sort of like your, the background noise of anything spiritual? Did, were, did you grow up in the church? Uh,
1: no. Not mm-hmm. at all. Um, okay. Well, I, I, I grew up uh, Roman Catholic. Right. However, right. I had been a spiritual seeker since a young age, like since I was 12 or 13. Wow. And then okay. when my father died, um, you know, that raised my curiosity even more so. If you could see my office, you'd see hundreds and hundreds of books. Right. You know, I'm very read well read. Right. But but you can you can take in a lot of knowledge, right? You can read a lot of stuff, but that doesn't make you spiritual. No. That doesn't that doesn't make you uh just really connected right and so even though mentally i could tell you about a lot of stuff there wasn't really any substance to it that was fully integrated into who i was how i lived how i show up in the world yeah so um on the advice of a psychic Because I went to this psychic and I was bawling to her. I'm like, I'm miserable. I need to find my purpose. Right, right. And she said, Donna, they're spelling it out for me. Spiritual psychology. And I said, what What in the the hell hell is is spiritual (laughs) psychology? I love it. But what the hell
0: is that? Okay.
1: So she said, there's three universities that teach a program in this. And she gave me two of the three. And she sort of, we just never got to the third one because we started talking about something else. We got sidetracked. Well, I went home, consulted the real Oracle and Googled it (laughs) and very quickly found my way to the University of Santa Monica. And even though I'm working like a 60 hour a week corporate drive, right? Like, I am in this very big career. I have a lot of responsibilities. I'm physically not well, right? Right. Like, I don't feel good. You're busy and burnt out. I am busy and burnt out. But what do I do? I enroll myself in this damn master's program. (laughs) And I don't know why. Honest in God, there was no logical reason why I, I would have done this. But I was reaching. You know, I was just like, I've got... I've got to fill this void somehow. You're grasping straws, so to speak. Yeah, Yeah. I kind of was at the time. And so I enrolled in this program. And, you know, to answer the question, so spiritual psychology is a technology. And it's like a modality, if you want to think about it that way. And it teaches us that every single thing that's happening in our life the good, the bad, the ugly, and I'm from Connecticut, so I like to say the super wicked ugly. Like, it's all for you. It's Great. all for us, right? Yes. You have this on your website about, you know, there's a blessing in every silver lining. Those yes. aren't your exact words, but something to that effect. Right. Um, you know, and and this is a really big perception shift, that when we can begin to view our life as if everything is giving me the stepping stone to move to my next level of potential, to grow, to evolve, to transform, to change, to move forward, then we can look at all of the trauma and all of the drama and all of the shit that happens and be able to say, hey,
0: what?" What's here for me? There might, to be, learn. Some, there might be some le- levers that I can pull here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Inside myself, there might be some levers. I, yeah. So the uh, uh, one of those books that you probably read with me, maybe, maybe not, like I don't remember which one, but it might have been an Eckhart Tolle book or a Deepak Chopra book, one of those <laughs> spiritual books, right? They were trying to get me to believe that I was 100% responsible for my human experience, soup to nuts, birth to death, right? Yes. So I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm gonna act as if that's true and test it. So Mm -hmm. then something bad happens to me, and I go, why did I do that to me? Mm -hmm. It's just a brand new awesome question. (laughs) Why did I do that to me? Why did I do that?
1: That's a a judgment, right? So, but here's where we have to separate the the idea here, and here's where maybe maybe I can offer some context around this. Sure, please. You know, most of us were very over identified with our learned self, our ego, and our personality. Right, right? the part of us that is conditioned, the part of us that has been taught from our parents, our teachers, our governments, our religions, our societies, our cultures, on and on and on the influences go, telling us who to be, how to be, what to be, why to be, right? There's all of that. Who you are, yes. But there's this whole other part of our being, which is our higher self. It's our soul, if you want to think about it that way. It's what I call our original wisdom. Okay. And this part of us is... If you think about it in an in an energetic way, this part of us is the energy of what we can only understand as love. I
0: love like right? that. Yes.
1: What we can only understand as love. Like that's just the best way that we can get our he- heads around it from yeah. our human right.
0: perspective. This is where words fail sometimes. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes, I hear you. Yes. I totally hear you. Right. But I just I it's I hard want to describe in words. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and you know when you just sit with yourself quietly and you just connect with your breath and you let your mind stop with all of the chaos and the monkey activity and... Right. You know how underneath all of the noise and the chaos and the activity and the doing and the striving and the pushing and the forcing and all the shit, (laughs) right? All the shit. Uh, Underneath all of that, there's like this calm, there's just this really gentle peacefulness. And this exists in everyone, right? It's not just in some people. It is in everyone. Well, that peacefulness is like the doorway or the gateway to be able to access this higher part of yourself. And everyone has this higher part of themselves. You know, this higher, wisdom-filled part of themselves. So because it's an energy, right? It's something that's in the invisible world. It's intangible. We can't touch it. We can't see it. Right. But it has a frequency to it, right? Like if you think about musical notes, music, you can't see music, right? We hear music through one of our five senses. Every musical note has a vibrational frequency to it. Right. Well, This energy that is our higher self has a frequency to it. Mm -hmm. And that frequency is kind of like data in a way to think about it. It's like, it's like information, internet data, let's say. So there's information in this energetic field. There's information, there's data Mm -hmm. in this, on this frequency, right? And so that data, this energy, it's actually an
0: intelligence. Oh, yeah. And
1: so whatever that book was that you read.
0: Whatever that book was.
1: <laughs> that was saying, you know, we have to take responsibility for our, everything that's happening to us in our human experience. Where I think we have to make the separation is that it's our higher self our soul that sets forward our earth school curriculum, the learning journey that we're each going to go on in life. And because we have free choice, we get to choose in our human response how we're going to relate to whatever it is that's happening in our life, right?
0: Right, right. right. How how are we going to deal with it?
1: How are we going to deal with it? How are we going to relate to it? And that's really where the learning takes place Mm. and where the learning happens. And it's like, yeah, we can't control everything that's outside of us. And this is where people fall into traps because we are driven by this misunderstanding that we we have to control everything in our outer experience so that we get to feel good inside. Right. Well, we kind of have it backwards. We kind of have it backwards. If we begin to pay attention to right. the reactivity and the responses that we're having inside. Yes, yes, yes. And bring our love and attention to that. Then maybe we can begin to relate to ourselves in a different way. Right. You know, in a more compassionate way. In a more totally. loving way. You said way. it there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like when you're in that reactive mode. So like when I said responsible, I think that, again, here, word fails. <laughs> word right. fails. I hear you. I hear yeah. you. So like, uh, and then and it, is, it sounds judgy. I get that. Yeah. Um, but I want to say like, this is how I delineate responsible. You can be responsible, 100%. I can anyway. And not be uh, to blame. So like I, I can be responsible. My higher self, I agree some part of me that is, you know, more connected now to like whatever that original wisdom is, (laughs) Mm -hmm. be it a universal field of conscious love or whatever it is, the big void, the big Ohm, um, and not necessarily. So blame is one of those words that is intrinsically means, well, you're responsible and you need to be punished. Right. So we don't need that. That's why I, I use like, okay, I, I did this to me, some piece of me, my higher self, is trying to talk to me. it's trying to communicate right through these events in my life, and it's up to me to figure out how I'm going to respond. and I want to respond with you know gentle, compassionate love to me. That's how I want to respond to that and learn and get that information and you know move forward as they say. So is that yeah make sense? so yeah. the soul, <laughs> the
1: higher self, mm. the higher self doesn't really have the ability to blame. Right. Because the we soul, <laughs> the higher self, is right. is really only made of love, pure love, twenty four seven love. That's all it cares love about is love, time. right? <laughs> and all of the derivatives of that. So right. you've got like joy and aliveness and yep. you know all that yummy juju that we're always out and fear, looking for. And anger,
0: yeah, fear and anger. No, not yes, yeah. I, I, well, that's what I think, but you know, that's just maybe where we disagree. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. So say more about that. Because so if we're angry, right. then that we're in our ego. So what's the opposite of fear?
0: Love. There you go. Right. So that if, if love is all, it must include fear. <laughs> right. So it's just another... It depends
1: on what level you're on.
0: That's true. Yes. Yes. It okay. depends on what level you're on. And because at some level fear, there is no fear, right? but Fear and love right. do
1: not exist on the same plane,
0: on the same level, to
1: use your words. Right.
0: There's different levels, right? At some level, there's no fear, right? Because love is all there is, right? But if love is all there is, and we are all there is, and there is fear, then, you know, in in so facto, love must include fear at some level, that's all. Again, words fail. (laughs) Whenever I'm fearful, right, whenever I'm fearful, I want to check to see if that's actually fear or irrational fear. So if there's a lion coming at me, right? And it's going, hmm, you look yummy. That's fear that I need, <laughs> right? I need to leave or, or shoot it or, you know, get myself. That's an actual fear. Now, if I have this irrational sort of like fear that isn't a lion coming at me, but I'm just laying in bed and suddenly afraid for no good reason, that's a, it's a piece of information from love that is expressing in my body as fear now that I need to work on. That's, that's all I, so to me, that's how it all plays out. Does that make sense? You're making the, that I phase. hear, yeah, I hear, I totally hear what you're saying.
1: <laughs> okay. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I see it a little bit differently that,
0: yeah, please, uh, this is how, this is how we, we understand things, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Really? Like there's, I like to think of it as there's two different aspects, okay, you know, and sure. the, the aspect from the soul's perspective you know, there is no judgment. There is no, you know, we get trapped in the world of I agree with right that. and wrong. Right. That in our is. in our ego mind, right? right? Everything's right or wrong, good or bad, black or white, up yeah. or down. That whole and so that's world world. the world that the ego lives in. Right. So I think, you know, when you're talking about love and fear, we might be referring to it in that polarity of ego land. Sure but there's a different a different love, Jeff.
0: It's a oh, bigger joy. love. The agape love. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the agape love? That's the yeah. unconditional love. Right. Yeah, and when I sit, that's where I'm trying to go. I've got this little reminder for me when I do meditation that the truth is still true. That's sort of like my release into that agape love back into the unified field of consciousness that we are. <laughs> That is love. Um, So that's how, like, regardless of what happens in the movie or the Matrix, you always, at the end of the day, can go back to home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, do you meditate? Is that part of your practice? So talk a little bit about what your meditation practice looks like.
1: Yeah, well, so... I enroll myself in the spiritual psychology program. I'm a year into the program and now my frozen shoulder is like just brutal. Like it's really frozen and I am in so much pain. And at this point and, you're not working on it at all or you're just. Well, I was working on it. Okay. I hadn't taken full responsibility of it. Aha! Right. And, you know, it was such a gorgeous metaphor for where I was yeah. in my life because right. I was frozen right like I knew I was unhappy but I wasn't doing anything about it I wasn't really taking steps to move myself forward right so you're not taking information from that clue right yeah (laughs) right (laughs) so I ended up um going in for surgery and in conjunction with that I started meditating because it was the only way that I could get out of pain it was the only way i could get out of pain was to sit still and to be quiet and to not think and to not move and i went to the chopra center actually in carlsbad california when it existed it doesn't exist there any longer which is a bummer yeah but i i took this program called rest and restore and i learned all about meditation and you know got given a mantra and yeah uh And I, I don't know, you know, from that day, I fell into it. And I don't miss it. I don't miss it. I, you know, now that I'm, I'm 53, got to move these bones. So I get up in the morning and I, I do some movement and some yoga. Right. Um, And then I'll usually sit in meditation for about 25 minutes. Nice. And nothing happens in my day until that happens. Good for you. And... Um it, it's yeah really, it's it like really air or
0: oxygen for you. So you need It
1: is to. like air or oxygen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I you know I I ended up having a prophetic dream. Um Neat. so I quit my job. Okay. I did not become a coach. I had there was still like nothing in my consciousness that or not one belief system in my body that thought I could be a coach, wanted to be a coach. I mean, the first time I heard out of my mouth that I wanted to be a spiritual teacher, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, because my corporate persona was like, wait, what is happening right now? Yeah. So, you know, there's been a lot of evolution in this and one. There's been a lot of evolution. <laughs> gotcha. But so I, I quit my job, um, which was, you know, big divine intervention. Hung out a shingle as a marketing consultant and for about a year and a half. And it's funny, you know, you quit the military and then they're your first job. Yes. I quit the Ritz Carlton and then they were my first consulting client.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. Yes, totally. Totally. So,
1: um, I'm doing this marketing gig and I had a dream that I was looking at myself in a mirror, and I had this giant fish hook all the way through my left breast, like bloody and messy. And I was fixated on the barb, like at the end of this fish hook. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm looking at myself in a mirror in my dream, and I say out loud in my dream, how are you going to get out of this? Mm. And I woke up. Wow. And as soon as I woke up, I remembered that a couple of months before, I felt this tiny little like it felt like a piece of sand, like a little pebble Mm. that was on my breast. Okay. And I, my first thought was, "Oh, is that still there?" Um, And guess what? It was. was. Yeah. And so that day, I made an appointment. (laughs) Yeah, I made an appointment which led to another and another and another. And five days before my 47th birthday, I was being given a triple negative positive breast cancer diagnosis, which was even more sobering, right? That my father died of cancer. And now here I am at the crossroad. Like I'm at the fork, you know? Right, right. And I really believe, had I not had the awakening that I had, had I not enrolled myself in this master's program, had I not stepped down from my job, you know, I could be dead by now, who knows, right? All I know is I would not have discovered this cancer in the way that I did. And the other like really miraculous part of the story is the treatment that I ended up having. Um, I had a lumpectomy and then I had something called interoperative radiation therapy okay. and that is something that takes place instead of seven weeks of whole breast radiation, which that's I,
0: that's gotta be better. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it takes place during the surgery. It's like 20 minutes and they radiate the area for 20 minutes and okay. more, but direct, you have to qualify. Okay. Yeah, like your tumor needs to be a certain size and type and this Mm. and that. But she says to me, the doctor says to me, the device that we use to administer the IORT is shaped like a fish hook. Ooh. I know. (laughs) So I'm crying. My husband's crying. My surgeon's crying. Like, I just like, I'm like, I'm going to qualify. Like, this is my treatment plan. Yeah. right
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing wow yeah Yeah. it was pretty
1: amazing and it worked and so I dealt with the breast cancer in a very very different way than I dealt with the frozen shoulder right when I had the frozen shoulder I was pissed I was like listen i don't have time for this right this is interrupting my life i don't have time to like go see all these doctors and do all this physical therapy like i don't have time for this yep. and I that was that really too. how i was treating myself right you know that's how i was like being really relentless and unforgiving and mean to myself right which
0: was I, sort of I mean, you were probably like blaming doctors like why can't they figure this shit out Right? Yeah. This isn't my job. Why can't right. you just fix me?
1: Exactly. I mean, I got shit to
0: do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those are exactly. all my words. Those are all my words. <laughs> <laughs> so I went through something very similar, but less life-threatening. I had, like, the skin condition for, like, 12 years, okay? And it did not go away. Uh, and I went to... So something about, like, uh, I, I'm going to dish a little bit on... Uh, what are the Dermatologists in Southern California, they're, they're more, uh, they're focused on other things, not necessarily rashes, just going to say. But when I got to Vegas, I finally decided to go see another dermatologist thinking, oh, this is not going to go anywhere. I've seen a million of them and they don't know what's going on. Right. Um, and I was not there in the office five minutes and he says, Oh, I know what that is. Here's your sheet. Get out of here. And I'm like, and then that, and then I'm fixed. Yeah, I'm like, wow. Yeah, and it it was, uh, I was mad at me, for a little while, for being so stubborn, like you and your frozen shoulder. I was just like, not ready for 12 years to accept this wisdom. I guess I still haven't figured it all out. I'm just glad. So can that I ask you a question? Gone.
1: Yes, yes, please. So where, because I know you're also a meditator, where did your meditation practice begin in relation to the rash?
0: I would say it was, let's see, I probably started meditating like still in the military like around 05, 06. I got the rash when I was in... Massage school, so like 11, 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And I was meditating right on through it. Um, It's weird. I still haven't really unbundled all of that. I'm still working on it. Now, the rash is gone, but the bigger lesson, the spiritual information, there's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot. And I'm still
1: working on that. Well, your skin. Our skin is a uh, sixth chakra issue, okay. right? Which, okay. or yeah, a sixth chakra issue, which is our connection to a higher power. Okay. So, if that is useful at all,
0: maybe I'll, I'll have to sit with that, like yeah. where that where that skin issue sits. So it's funny because I did this. Uh, I, I I bought a. a audio book with Pema Chodron uh-huh. and she was talking the places that scare you um, when things fall apart no how to get unstuck how to get unstuck <laughs> which is awesome and she's awesome I love Pema Chodron yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but she talked about this itch that doesn't go away and I just can't and I got I was basically addicted to scratching right oh wow yeah I know <laughs> so yes there's a lot to unpack so, I mean, no, none of this stops, right? You're never done. You're not done. You just have to keep going. <laughs> but we are not really, done as long as we're in these bodies. Correct, yes, correct. Well, then it's not done either, but you know, that's another thing. <laughs> okay. So Okay, so how did you discover that you can write your story? I wanna get that in there because we're getting close to wrapping up here.
1: Yeah, okay. So when I was 17 years old, I saw a Chinese wrinkle dog, Chinese Pei. You know okay. those dogs with all the wrinkles? Oh, okay. So you can't even see their eyes. They're just all right. wrinkles. Right. Yes, gotcha. Right. So I saw these dogs, one of these dogs, and I was like, oh my God, I got to have one of those dogs because I was bananas over these dogs. Right. I was
0: obsessed. How now- can, How can something alive look like that? It looks like a- crow. Right, right.
1: Yes. But I just- <laughs> I know this might be hard for depending on who's listening. This was before the internet existed, right? This is a long time ago that this is happening. But somehow, yes, it was the 80s. It was the 80s. Somehow, probably like 1984. Right. Somehow I managed to collect pictures and magazine articles and classified ads and like i created what was what we would today call a vision Vision board board, right (laughs) so i created this and time went by i had a lot of energy about this right like i somehow in my mind i was gonna get one of these dogs come hell or high water correct and they were expensive. I was a kid in high school. These dogs were like fourteen or $1,500 back right. in 1984, right? right. Wow. And even if I had that kind of money, my parents weren't going to let me spend that on the family dog. Right. But so time went on and slowly I sort of relaxed my grip around this. And <laughs> I was on the phone with a friend and they say to me, oh, hey, by the way, you know, my – sister's boyfriend is looking to find a home for a dog. Do you know anybody who might want to take in, you know, this stray dog? And I said, nope, I don't know anybody. Didn't ask any other questions. But we get to the end of our telephone conversation, and once again, he says to me, hey, you know, if you know anybody who might be interested in the Sharpie, and I said, in the what? And he goes, the dog, the Sharpie. I said, do you mean a Sharpei?" He said, I don't know, Donna. It's one of those dogs with all the wrinkles, right? So, (laughs) as I moved through my spiritual psychology master's, um, I began playing with consciousness. I really began to understand how plastic our thinking is, how totally. we have a lot more power to direct this everywhere invisible energy than we think we do. Mm. And it came to my awareness that like, oh my God, I've been doing this, writing my own story, my whole life. Totally. I just didn't know it. Right. And so we're always writing our story. It's just a matter of how much awareness we bring to that story. So we're yeah. either creating by design or we're creating by default. Correct. Yes. So once I realize, and realized, in default
0: and th- mode, other people are inputting into that story too, like yes, the internet and TV and news and Trump and Biden, military, <laughs> and military. Yes. yes, yes, all every, yes, all those people, yes. Anyway, all so, those people, yeah. So that's that why pen. it's so important that yeah. we take that pen. <laughs> we got to take
1: dominion over our Correct. own thinking and my like captain, where are we captain. investing Correct. our thoughts
0: yes yes that's awesome so other people were writing your story but the thing is is you always have to like like you said something earlier something that i agree with was your free will is perfect so even when someone influences <laughs> you writing your story you're still signing off on it you're just going oh, okay yeah all right that's what's happening next at some level. <laughs> You're still writing it, but you want to make sure that the words are yours and you know, you get your sharp. pay. okay. So this has been a blast. Um, we are going to have to wrap up, I guess. What a bummer. You, there should be a round two and around three, because this was just a lot of fun. And yeah, I, I, thank can, you, I can it learn a lot <laughs> from Donna Bond. So talk a little bit about how people can best connect with Donna Bond at donabond.com. I, I want to keep saying Yeah.
1: That. Actually, I've got some gifts for your listeners. Awesome. If they go to donnabond.com forward slash podcasts, and I've got uh, actually four ways to get unstuck. Nice. So if people are in their life right now and they're looking for a way to move forward, that will give you some really good intel as well as some usable tools that you can apply to your own life. And. Uh, If you're interested in my book, Original Wisdom, Harness the Power of the Authentic You, you can find more information there as well. Jeff, thank you. It's been really fun.
0: It's been a blast. Let's do it again sometime soon. All right. Okay. You have a good day. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.